I'm excited about this series and about uh, what God's doing in Alpharetta and across our 12 campuses, and we're just excited about uh, at all of that. And so today being the end of a series, we normally have for you a QR code where all the notes from the series you can take, and today you can also fill in. So these are kind of interactive notes, which means you have to fill in the notes a little bit. We give you most of it. I want you to fill in some of those so that you learn and you remember. Because how many know that it's no point hearing if you don't learn? How many know it's no point hearing the Word of God? Because the Bible says if you hear it and don't do it, you're just deceiving yourself into thinking you learned something. And so it's all about helping us put this stuff into action because I believe the Word of God is full of life principles, theology, and theology is just this. It seems like a big word. Theos, Greek word for God, right? Logic or logis means logic. So it's God logic. Theology is just God logic, right? As opposed to our logic. And that's why when we read God's word and we understand God's logic, we're able to put it into our world and things work. And my job is to distill what was written hundreds and thousands of years ago into an applicable form for your life today. So that's the job of the teacher, is to take this eternal truth, make it real to your now, to what's happening in your life now, in your business, in your home, in your family. And it's not how good you know theology, it's how you apply it that really is the secret source. So we've been talking about living large. I'd like to kind of make this uh, part of the series living larger, living larger, if you're American, living larger. And so a uh, very poor attempt at an American accent, uh, but I'm a foreigner, so I, I don't mind. I, I'm just doing my best. And so my best American is water, water. I can say water because when I go to the... Uh, through a drive-thru, and I say, water. I go, what? What's that? So, water is my best American that I can do. <laughs> and everybody has their gifts. Some people are actors, some people are singers, and I'm just not a linguist uh, acting or imitation of anyone else. I am just my own person. And so, uh, that's how God made me. Isn't it amazing when you look around at how God's creation and see how incredible it is, and you marvel. Like, I was driving home from the recording last night and saw this giant moon. And I just began to think about how God's creation is so exquisite. Just go down to a lake, go down to the ocean, go to a high mountain, see those beautiful vistas, have a look at the uh, Himalayas, go look at uh, snow-capped peaks. It's just beautiful. It's amazing when you see how incredible God's creation is. And this all just came out of a fingertip of God. It wasn't like he used his whole energy to create it. It was just like, here, have some light, have some oceans, have some animals, here's some stuff. And he wasn't tired at the end of it. Even though it says on the seventh day he rested, it wasn't because he was tired. He just created the earth. It's incredible what God has done and, and what God is and who he is. And I want to read to you a scripture. Because as I woke up this morning, I wanted this time to preface our, our conversation today. And if you're online today, and I know many hundreds of you are online, I want you to be going to write this stuff down. Make sure you get the QR code. I'm not sure how we're getting it to them, but make sure we do. Romans 1.19 says, since what may be known about God is plain to us, plain to them, plain to us, because God has made it plain. In other words, 
what God's trying to communicate and Paul writing the book of Romans is saying, listen, all of who God is, you don't need him to turn up as an angel for you to be convinced. You don't need for him to do something incredibly special for you to be convinced. He says, because what is known about God is plain to us. It's obvious. And he goes on in verse 20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, think about his creativity, his power, his love, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made. So when I look at Jane, I'm amazed at what God has created for me. Right? When I look at myself in the mirror, I'm even more amazed at what God created me for her. You can tell it's jet lag. It's going to be a funny morning. Here's the point, right? It goes on and says this. It goes on and says, His eternal nature, power, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. You can't make an excuse and say, well, God didn't appear to me in, a, in 13 different signs and I didn't get an appearance from a Christophany. I didn't get a, a Jesus moment where He appeared as an angel. I didn't get any of that. Uh, therefore, I've got an excuse. God says, everything I've made, who I am, is visible around about you. Look at the people. Listen to them talk. Go watch some nature. Go around. It's there. It's visible. So you haven't got an excuse anymore to say, I need a sign. I've given you billions of signs. How many more signs do you want? You know? And so it says, goes on. It says this. It says, today, they're without excuse. Today, uh, so today we come, oh, this is me writing this down here, uh, in red, Today we come to the how part. We've been talking, and, and the reason I mentioned all of that as an pr- introduction is this. You are the most incredible creation that God made, and inside of each of our bodies, inside of our minds, is a representation of the greatness of God. Our ability to think, our ability to create, using only 10% of our brain to create such marvelous things like the technology that we enjoy today. Think about it. What we did last night, you couldn't have done easily 10 years ago. My first visit to Atlanta was in 2004, and I was speaking at the Superdome for Megafest for Bishop T.D. Jakes, and as I stood there, we were waiting on satellites, and, if, and the sign came up on a chalkboard, uh, clouds, no satellite, let's see in 15 minutes. So 15 minutes later, we had to wait for the cloud to go before we could broadcast to Australia. Think about how far we've come just in that 20 years, in the last two years. Think about ChatGBT, everybody. If you haven't got that, you're missing out on half your life. Because it makes life easy again, right? Those letters you want to write, boom. Write it nicely, because you were going to write it nastily, but ChatGBT can write it nice for you. How cool is that? It's a tempering of your personality through the AI. I just think it's incredible where it's going to go. It's going to revolutionize us in a way in the next two years like we've never seen. We think we've come far. Let me tell you, it's about to get real scary. And this has just came out of a human being's head, right? And God says those invisible qualities of God are seen around about us. We talked about this two weeks ago in the fact that God could have brought us to earth in a Amazon truck. He could have delivered us by a stork, as we have told our children or grandchildren. And yet he chose to create us all the same. That's what I love about this. Think about this. In a world full of racism, in a world where we're different, if you're different, you're different. In a world, we all started the same. We looked exactly the same on day one. A cell. One cell that looked the same. 
And then God's theology, God's logic, wired into that cell, caused it to multiply. And God decided, I want to show my human kind, the people I've created to represent me, made in my image, to show you how I want you to live. So he made us so that cell multiplied from 1 to 2 to 4 to 8 to 16 to 32 to 64 to 128 to 2, whatever it is, go on and on to billions of cells. And right now, if your cells will stop multiplying, you would die in just a few minutes. That's a huge mind bender because God wanted you to understand his theology through your biology so you could go, I've been fearfully and wonderfully made by God, not just to exist, not to live low, but to live high. Not to just exist, get by, but to multiply. In fact, can I say to you, God says to you, multiply or you live less than what I want you to be. Multiply or die. And the first three commands He gives to mankind starts with Adam. Genesis 1:27. be fruitful and multiply. It's on your notes if you take, got the QR code. Be fruitful and multiply. Then to Noah and his devastation, be fruitful and multiply twice. Then he says it to Abraham, I'm going to make your descendants millions. Says it to Isaac. He says it to Jacob. He tells Noah. He tells uh, uh, Joseph to multiply. He tells Moses to multiply. He tells Joshua to multiply. Even under oppression, God's people multiply because it's in your DNA to multiply. No one can stop you multiplying except you. Only you can stop it. And so today, we're going to talk about it. And John 15, we spoke about this last week. I'm the vine, you're the branches, Jesus said. I cut off things that are not fruitful. God is so committed to fruitfulness and to multiplication, the universe is expanding, and He'll cut off stuff in us that is not being fruitful. God wants us to be highly fruitful in life. Isn't that awesome? That with God, I can live out my destiny with certainty I've got faith. I've got faith for our 200 campuses and for everything else that we do. Why? Because if God's a multiplier, it's just going to happen if I understand three basic principles. So I'm going to give you three basic principles on how to multiply. That's all you need. Now, one of the parables that we all know, who's heard of the, the, the sower and the seed? Who's heard that parable? It's in all four Gospels. And it's a great example of Jesus trying to communicate about multiplication. And I want us to read it. It says this in Matthew 13. It says, Still other seed, he's talking about a farmer going out sowing seed, and it falls on different types of soil. Hard soil stolen by the birds, on shallow soil that withers and dies under pressure. And it goes on and he gets the good soil. Good soil he says, listen to what he says about good soil. Still other seed fell on good soil and produced a crop. And I want us all to say this. You ready? A hundredfold. Let's do it together. A hundredfold, sixtyfold, or thirtyfold. So the seed that fell on good soil produced at the minimum 30x. At its maximum, 100x. Might even be 1,000x. He was just making the point. A hundredfold, sixtyfold, and thirtyfold. Who would like for their lives to produce 30x? Who'd like their lives to produce 60x? Who'd like their lives to produce 100x? I want to live 100x life. That doesn't mean I'm going to get bigger clothes. I'm just talking about 
everything else that I'm doing is 100x. That's what I want. I want my family to be 100x. I want my marriage to be 100x. I want my finances to be 100x. I want my life trajectory to be 100x. I want my impact to be 100x. And Jesus himself said in the four Gospels, you can have 30, 60, or 100. Not saying you could choose, but he says that's the possibility. So that's Jesus talking to us about multiplication. 100x is a multiplication, right? And so, and then he goes on and says, this is the last word he says. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Selah. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. It's very obvious the disciples all have ears. It's not what he's saying. He said, if you don't get this, it's not applicable to you. If you get it and you've got ears to hear, and if it goes into your heart that that's the possibility, then it's going to happen for you. And then we move to, do I believe the principle? Yes, I could take you through scripture after scripture. I did last week. If you didn't hear last week, listen to that message about man's resistance to God's multiplication desire and how God dealt with it and how God chose Abraham, who was the most unlikely, and uses him as the example for us all. So we believe the principle. Now, how does it happen? It says, well, according to Jesus, if your heart is good, if you receive the word of God, it's why you should be in a place preaching the living Word of God that's life-giving, that causes you to grow. That's this kind of place. goes on and says this. Seed of Word of God goes deep into my heart, and if it does, if you get revelation from God by faith, you can expect that Word, because when He's talking about the seed, He's talking about the Word of God, it will produce 30 times, 60 times, and 100 times what was sown. You see, God wants you to be a parenting powerhouse. God wants you to be a relational powerhouse. God wants you to be a business powerhouse. God wants you to be a spiritual powerhouse. Not this kind of come to church every now and again, the kind of, yeah, getting through. God wants you to be a powerhouse. And if you're going to live your life, why not have a good one? Why not choose to multiply? Okay. So how? Here we go. How? How? First point. Think about it. He chooses Abraham and Sarah, and we're going to go from their life. Abraham and Sarah, who are beyond the age of multiplying. They can't multiply. Remember, God said, you must be fruitful and multiply. The Tower of Babel people says, no, we're going to be, we don't, we don't want to be scattered. We're going to stay together. We're not going to scatter, so we'll build a big tower. It was all their fear that caused them to huddle together. And God says, well, I'll change your languages. And now the next chapter, he goes and finds the most incapable person of multiplying, a man who's 75 years of age and, and his wife, Sarah, I'm not sure how old she was, I think it was 65 maybe, whatever. And so uh, he says to them, listen, I'm going to use you because your heart wants to multiply. I'm going to use you to do a million X. Right? He says to them, I'm going to use you. Are you willing for me to use you? So that's my question to you today. Are you and I willing for God to use us despite our inabilities? If you want to and you feel like you can't, then this is for you. If you don't want to, well, good luck. Great. 
But if you want to and you can't, then this is for you. God wants to use you. So he takes Abraham and Sarah and he says, now, I'm going to give you the first principle, right? The first principle, if you want to be a multiplier in life of any description applicable everywhere, is you must learn how to connect. Now we're getting real practical. You must learn how to connect and who to connect with. The secret to multiplication, the first point is you have to connect. For Abraham and Sarah to produce the X that God wanted them to produce, they had to come together and connect. It's one thing to say, oh God, I believe you. The next thing is, how do you put that into practice? Well, I've got to come and connect. I've got to do something that creates the effect. There is no effect of miracles without a cause. There needs to be something that we do in faith. Naaman, go dip in the River Jordan seven times and you will be healed of leprosy. That obedience to God's Word means a doing followed by God responding and by faith that thing happens. And so the first thing is we must get connected. This changed my life. Let me say this to you. I want you to write this down. Your destiny is completely decided by who and what you connect to. Proverbs tells us that the friends we're connected to will determine our destiny. I want you to take a list of the friends that you have, and this is what it says. The righteous should choose his friends carefully, for the way of the wicked leads them astray. In other words, he's saying, listen, show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. In fact, if I talked to you and I found out who your friends are, I could write your prophecy myself. It wouldn't be from God. It would just be obvious. Oh, that's who you're connected to. Therefore, that's what you're going to be. What does the Bible others, others say? Good com- a bad company corrupts good morals. So guess what? If I'm a good person connected to a bad person, I'll end up bad. Does that make sense? I'm going to get Dave to do something. Come on, Dave, stand up for a second. He doesn't know anything about this. Now, if Dave's down here and I'm up here and I'm trying to pull what this in the moment when I count to three, you're going to try to pull me down and I'm going to try to pull you up, right? This is the test. Ready? So on the count of three, don't kill me. <laughs> okay, so on the count of three, let's go. One, two, three. See, because it's impossible, I, I did that for him. But the point is, <laughs> the point is, I can just feel my strength was so strong, it was working. But you saw the point. No, he was just being kind to the pastor. The point is this, if you're down and you're pulling someone down, it's always going to happen down. You're never going to pull someone up. Come on, somebody. Woo! It's a truth bomb. Show me your friends. I will predict your future. I can tell you already. When I see couples together, and I see husband and I see wife, I'm like, okay, this, we know where this is going. How do I know that? I'm a clinician. I've done this tens of thousands of times. Watch people. I sit there and I watch them and the Bible tells me that. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. I know this is convicting, right? We're all going through the list, the Rolodex. (laughs) Delete, delete, delete. Good time to get to purge your phone, right? It's right now. Sorry, uh, phone line's not connected anymore. Okay, so I promise you, this this actually helped me. When I realized this, I changed my friends. 
Why? Because what had happened is I'd helped my friends get to a certain point, but they refused to go any further and they were just dragging me down. I'm like, I need new friends because I want to go higher. Does that make sense? Now, if Dave was helping me pull him up, great. If he's not helping me pull him up, guess what? I'm in trouble. Now, do I need some people that I need to reach out to that are down? Of course, but I've got to get the balance right. Right? So if I've got 10 people I'm reaching to, eight of them better be pulling me up. Two of them, I've now got the strength being pulled up to help them up. But I better be careful that I don't have eight that are pulling me down. If I'm the one that's holding everything together, whoo, you're my hero. But you're going to burn out. That's how that happens. So in order to produce the son of promise, Abraham and Sarah had to do something. They had to have sex, everybody. I know this is an adult crowd. We can handle it. They had to get connected intimately. We'll talk about that in a moment. You know, let me say this. If you never connect with your boss, don't get disappointed when you're overlooked for promotion. Multiplication happens through connection. I was reading an article the other day, and it said this. The article yesterday, actually, I was reading it in the Wall Street Journal or somewhere, and it said this, that people that work at home, and sorry if you do work at home, people who work at home are 38% less likely to get a bonus. There's some even greater percentage are less likely to get promoted. And the article just lays it out simply. Not because the people at home are bad. It's just that if you're not connecting at work with your boss who's the one who gives you the promotion, how can you get a promotion? Connection decides the bonus. Connection decides the promotion. Connection decides everything. That's why promotions are unfair. It's not about how much of a human being you are. It's about how much you connect with your boss and can fulfill his vision, her vision. Connection is everything. And I could take you theologically through every book of the Bible and prove it to you so easily. We know it to be true and self-evident because we live that world. We know certain people get certain things. Now, that's where we shouldn't compromise our principles and become uh, you know, manipulators, whatever. But connection is still the principle that creates multiplication. Husband and wife, if they don't have sex, aren't producing children just by the way. Right? I know it's really obvious, but let's now assign that to all the other areas of our life. If I'm with Jane and, and I want my relationship to be better and we're sitting just watching Netflix every night and I think I'm connecting, I'm wrong. Being in the same room is not connecting. Sitting with a cup of tea because we're Australians and we like our cup of hot tea, after, after, after uh, dinner or wherever, for an hour just looking at each other, talking about what's going on in our lives, that's called connecting. Doing activities alongside, don't fool yourself, Dad. You're taking your kids on some kind of trip and, you, and you're just, they're just tagging along. And you, I, I've done, no, you didn't do anything. You're just a babysitter. As impactful as a babysitter is to your children, a father or mother can be to their children. I know this is deep, right? This is, uh, it's very quiet. You know, we've come to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. I'm only joking. All right, moving on. I'm just trying to crack a joke to get everyone smiling again. 
Dave, put me down again. <laughs> I just want you to think about this really deeply. Why? It has such profound implications for your life. You've got to remember, I'm a reform-shy person. I never connected. I found it hard to connect. I still find it hard in certain circumstances to make that first move. But if you don't connect, guess what? You're not going to multiply in the area that you don't connect in. You may be multiplying over here, and if you look at it, it's because you're connecting. Yes, your work might be good, but you still have to connect with the people that are leading that project. Otherwise, you don't get the promotion. It's just, I'm a boss, and the people that connect with me get promoted. Now, I try to be much more like Jesus and see everybody and every motive. But I'm human too. Connection matters. Connection's God's way. Why did God make us born? It's a really bad English. Why did God make us born? Why did God cause human, humanity to be birthed because of the result of a connection? Have you thought about that? You can't have a baby yourself. Oh, you'll bring science and whatever. Yeah, we're just talking about how it was made, right? Biologically. You've got to connect with somebody to produce something. Now, I've got six grandchildren. That's the result of lots of connections. <laughs> right? The connection part is so, so important. And I want to keep on going on this because it's so, so critical. Think about that. If you're working from home, you're 30% less likely to get a bonus or a promotion. Woo! Going back to the office. <laughs> if you don't connect with your spouse, don't get disappointed when your marriage is not great. Sitting in the same room is not connection. Lying in the same bed is not connection. Connection is connection. All right? If you don't connect with the leaders of your church, don't get disappointed when you don't get the help you need. Your rise leaders, your department leaders, you're not going to get the help you need unless you're connected. That's why we love the church that we're building, Boutique Church, where everybody can have excellence but also connection. That's why you see me walking around, I'm always available. Okay? Why? Because connection produces fruit. All right. If you don't get connected with a church that you attend, don't get disappointed when you don't grow in your walk with God. If you, don't, if you just attend church, you're never going to grow like you're supposed to. You're not going to multiply. Why? Because getting connected, leaning in, saying, this is my church. Get off the fence and say, this is the place God wants me to be. Boom. Then suddenly you're going to start multiplying. Why? Because this is a life-giving church. How do I know? Because when I watch people who attend, they grow. When I watch them, they grow not just spiritually, they grow emotionally. They grow uh, not physically, I haven't got that power, but they grow <laughs> relationally. They grow in their job. They grow in every area of life. That's how I know it works because I've seen it thousands upon thousands of times and I've seen others who are in the same place who, who don't go anywhere. Why? Because they're not connected. I think we should have a drink. Is this too heavy for everybody? Or you, put up your hand if you can receive it. Put up your hand, Okay. It's in case we're in a PG audience, I just need to get someone to sit next to you. Um, no, I'm only joking. All right. I know you're reflecting on this deeply. Okay. Do you know, I'm a pastor, so I never want to offend. I just want to give you something. I just want to bless you. So this is the greatest blessing I can give you today. This is what it says. 
Let me say this. If you don't connect with God, don't get disappointed when life is so ordinary and full of problems. If you're not connected to God, like I said last night, Jesus is everything. Jesus is the center of it all. If you don't love Jesus, if you don't find how much Jesus loves you, which is the most important, how much Jesus loves you, if you don't focus on Jesus and His Word, you're not going to grow. If you don't connect with Jesus, don't be surprised if life is just ordinary, full of problems. You must connect in a life-giving way. You see, when you connect, there's got to be a level of trust and intimacy for that intimate connection to produce something great. It's not always easy, but it's the only way. You need to know how to get connected. Now, I ran a conference back in 2004 that I started called Influencers Conference, and it's where I invited people like the Joyce Myers and so on. And of course, we live in Australia. America thinks Australia is a very long way to travel. And it is. So I thought, how, I, who do I want as my first speaker? Well, my first speaker, I want to be Bishop T.D. Jakes. He was my favorite preacher. I felt like he was the person. Well, how is it? He doesn't know who I am. How are we going to make this happen? Send an email like everyone else? Guess what? He gets 50 invites a week. It's not going to work. I've got to connect with him somehow. So I turn up to a pastor's conference with 6,000 people. But before I went, I said to one of my pastors that encouraged me, Benjamin had just been born at that point. And I remember I said to my pastors, if you can get an appointment with a janitor, I don't care who it is in his organization, a janitor will do, anybody will do, we'll go to the conference. Well, he managed to make an appointment with uh, one of the staff. And so uh, I said, all right, let's get on the plane. So we go to Dallas and we're in this congregation and 6,000 pastors, right? Signatory sitting there. And I'm thinking, how are we going to get connected in all of this? All the people, all the pastors are wanting, Bishop, 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 Bishop. Well, on the second day, I get a text message from Bishop Jakes's PA, Beverly Robinson, uh, who I got to know really well. And she texts Mark, the guy that's with me, and said, the bishop would like to have lunch with you. That happened because of a meeting I'd had the previous day where I connected to one of his staff. His staff was so impressed with my connection and that I'd flown all that way to make that connection that he passed on. Bishop was so intrigued that he would fly all that way, all those miles, to come and just sit in this conference to meet with me, that he decides to invite me to lunch. So he invites me to lunch to this restaurant that's closed down so him and eight black bishops can have lunch. And here I am. (laughs) Feeling a little bit out of place. But I'm not out of place because I'm on a mission. I know who I am, and I know who he is. And we began this conversation. Guess what? He became my first speaker. I can tell you there are thousands of people that he said no to, to say yes to me. How did that happen? Because I chose to connect with him, not just send him an email. Make sense? That's why I've stopped sending emails to my wife. Doesn't seem to help our situation. All right, moving along. Okay, Ooh, here we go. That's how I got him to come to our conferences. Joyce Myers, the same. I could take you through Dr. Miles Monroe. I could take you through many, many speakers. John Bevere. All these great world-known speakers came and spoke at our conferences. Now, we're a big church in Australia, but guess what? They came because I connected with them, not because I was whatever. Does that make sense? It makes a difference. Connection 
makes a difference. I want you to think about every connection, every person you talk to this week. You go in the office, you talk to the lady doing switchboard. Well, you better connect with her because she holds a lot of cards in her hand. And when we connect, and we'll talk about this in the second part, we need to connect well. Number one, number two in the connection is that successful connections, are you ready? Are built around passion. This is a men's only thing, we'd go a bit deeper, but we won't. It's a mixed audience, right? But let me just say it this way. Of course, we think of Abraham and Sarah had to have sex to produce a child. Well, that sounds great when you're 25. Not so great when you're 95. I've got to consult my doctor first. I've got to plan. There's all these things that are far bigger risks to get passionate at 95 than it was at 25. Would you agree? I mean, let's, let's, we're, we're an honest audience. We're an adult audience. How many believe it's harder at 95 than 25? Come on. Okay, four of us that are honest. Let's say good. We'll go with the four. Here's the deal. So listen, this is what happened. They have to connect. Listen on this. I worked this out. They had to connect. If they connected every night to produce the promise, 9,125 times before anything ever changed. 9,125 times. 95, 96, 97, 98, 99. Man, it's getting more and more difficult and dangerous. Just being honest. Passion is what creates connection that produces life. Here's another one. Life-producing connections take thinking and planning. I wonder how Abraham and Sarah, think about it, when you're 95, you might not want to do 9,125 times, so you're thinking about when's the best time of the month that this may work best. Just ordinary stuff, humanity in action. It's one thing to initiate connection. It's another thing to know what to do when the opportunity arises. I might know that I'm supposed to connect, but I've learned how to connect that's appropriate. You know, when I go to visit people, when I go to meet people, I just tell you what I do. You do whatever you want. I actually sit before my appointment and I write notes for myself about this person. I remember going to visit this very famous uh, uh, pastor, very famous person I want to connect to, and I thought... What's the point of connection that will start the conversation? Well, my parent, my, my parent, my dad, and his siblings were all born in India. The guy I was going to see was Indian. So the first part of our conversation was that my dad was born in India and my grandparents lived in India for 30 years. Well, that immediately we started talking about cricket. Anyone who's from any British colony country will know what cricket is. So he did, and guess what? Within five minutes, we were best friends. Why? Because I knew how to connect, not just to connect. Okay, so I'm going to think it through. So I write notes for myself. Where do I need to connect with this person? What's the points of connection that matter? What I want to say? Writing myself a little note on my notes app just gives me an entry point. The entry point for a shy person is the hardest. It's getting started that's the hardest. For me, some people just talk underwater all day, but not me. I, I kind of fumble or whatever unless I've got a plan. So I write a plan and I've got better at it. 
and then I connect quicker. It doesn't take 20 meetings. It might just take 20 minutes. Make sense? I can tell you so many stories and we don't have time for that. Let me give you the principles. Connection requires time and intentionality. Last year, I had all these points. I needed to get to a diamond status on my delta. So I said to Jane, we're going to use points and we're going to go to Cancun, just you and me. Now, it wasn't just to get this status. It was so that Jane and I could spend four days just connecting her and I. Life had been so busy that connecting with her was important for us because in four days, we were able to do what would take us eight months. Does that make sense? I call them concentrated moments. The most powerful weapon a parent has, a husband, a wife has, a person, a boss has, concentrated moments. They make a huge, huge difference. Number five, connection takes, requires endurance. You've got to be prepared to try even when you don't feel like it. I'm sure there are many nights Abraham and Sarah didn't feel like it. But you must connect. If you want to multiply, it's this simple. I know this seems so simple, but it's so profound. Connection requires overcoming disappointment. This is the part I want to really get to for a minute. Connection requires overcoming disappointment. One of the big lessons I learned is through a friend of mine who, who said just one statement, and it's, it's set me free. He said, Ashley, just remember, there's always life after no. Because for me, every request was a do or die moment. If they say no, I feel rejected to my very core. And when he said, there's life after no, I'm like, oh, great, okay, there is. So if he says no, well, I'll come back again next week and ask again. Whatever. Instead of being rejected, right, by the no, I allowed myself to realize, come back again. You've got to come back again. You've got to handle disappointment if you want to be a great multiplier. Think about Abraham and Sarah, 9,125, that's 300 months, by the way, 300 months that every month she was disappointed she was not pregnant. They've got to go again. Man, I'm getting old, Sarah. No, we're going to go again. Disappointment one, well, that's okay. Disappointment two, that's okay. Disappointment 10, we start to get disappointed. Disappointment 20, we're starting to get devastated. Disappointment 100, we're starting to wonder if there is a God. Disappointment 300, we know there isn't a God. Disappointment, right? Here's my issue. It's not my issue. Here's my question. Can you handle 300 disappointments? You know, most people leave a church just from one sideways glance that didn't quite go their way. One disappointment? Really? You can be rocked by one disappointment? You will never multiply. There's rats in the roof. No, there's not. If you can get rocked by one disappointment, you'll never multiply. I want you to get this in your heart because I'm a person who takes rejection very, very deeply. My weakness in my life is rejection. I hate to be rejected. So God, why would you make me a pastor? So I have to handle an interminable amount of rejections. Doing everything right and someone rejects you. You've got to learn how to handle rejection. If you're going to multiply, learn to handle rejection. Be a rejection repellent, but learn how to handle it. 
Learn how to take the poison out of yourself because rejection is poisoning your soul, making you feel like I'm not worthy. They don't love me. I'm going to whatever. And I find myself reacting rather than responding like Sarah and Abraham. He said, you know what? I, I realize disappointment is a part of life. It's a part of my life. I know in the, in the woke mind virus culture, disappointment is to be celebrated and somehow given a trophy for. But guess what? In the real life, you've got to get over disappointment in order to get anything. I'm just telling you the truth. Abraham had to overcome 300 disappointments. And the, reject, the fear of rejection and failure kills faith. There are people in our audience right now, and I'm not saying this because I know this, so I haven't got a word of knowledge, that's Pastor Jane, that's not me, right? They haven't tried getting involved and connected in the church because of a fear of failure or a fear of last time or a fear of whatever. Guess what? You'll never produce unless you get connected. Can I invite you? In, lean in. Let's fill up these front rows. There's nothing anointed on the front row. It's a space for us all. I want friends in the front row sitting next to me. It's lonely. I'm not like those other pastors that want all their space. I want people next to me. Anyway, moving on. You must remember this. God wants you to multiply and put it into your DNA, but the devil wants to divide you and sift you. And I want you to take you to a, a verse in Scripture, and then I've got to move on really quickly. Woo! Come on, look at your time. We can spend another hour. Luke twenty two thirty one says this. Remember that the Last Supper, Jesus knows that Judas is about to betray them. He knows that their friendship, the 11 that are left, are going to be scattered. He knows they're going to come under amazing duress. I want you to hear it. So the whole five chapters of the Last Supper, which by the way is a massive portion of the Gospel of John, is the Last Supper. Jesus is trying to tell his disciples how to stick together, how to be united, how not to run away, how to still believe, right? He's trying to do that. And he says to Peter this, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. Remember, faith failing is the worst thing of all. We said that. And when you've turned back, strengthen your brothers. Think about this. Simon, Simon, I know you're about to be disappointed. What was he saying? You're about to be disappointed because I'm not the king who's going to take over the world. I am the Messiah, different to what you thought we were going to do. And you're going to be disappointed and I'm going to go to, to the cross and all these things are going to happen to me and you're going to run away. And he, you know, he's predicting that he's going to go back to fishing and all the things that ends up happening, we know. And he's saying, listen, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. What does, he, what does that mean? That means if I can disappoint you enough, I will reduce you to impotency. There's a part in the process of sifting wheat where the wheat that could produce, that's potent, becomes impotent. Jesus said Satan's trying to make you disappointed till you are impotent and you can no longer produce. So this is not just life. This is the devil wants to sift you through disappointment so you stop connecting, you hold back, and then we talk about point two in a moment, you hold back and you don't do it. Can you handle 300 disappointments? Just 30 maybe. Not a lot. 30 compared to 300. If you can do this, I promise you, you'll master 
multiplication. See, sifting is a repetitive action. God wants, Satan wants to get you into a repetitive negative cycle so you become barren. And listen to this. This is the last thing I'll say about this and we'll move on. Out of disappointment, listen to this, out of disappointment, Sarah tells Abraham, don't sleep with me. Go sleep with her because the promise is going to come through her. And what does that do? It produces what the Bible calls the son of the flesh not the son of promise. And he says, because you've done this, this is going to be a problem to you for the rest of your years, for the rest of life. Okay? Sometimes not always good to listen to your wife. Here's the point. And she tells you to go sleep with someone else. Good point. Don't listen to her at that point. Here's the thing. I'm so disappointed in my inability to give you a child. Go find someone else. That's rejection and disappointment speaking, not multiplication speaking, and causes a bad decision to be made by Abraham that causes a thorn in the side forever. Disappointment will drive you to bad decisions. Multiplication is about overcoming disappointments and still making the right decision. What you connect to matters, right? In this case, he connected to the wrong thing and it did matter. What you connect to matters. Can I say this as a, just a side line? You know, one of the things we're doing through the month of May is having lunches every Sunday in different locations around Alpharetta. Can I suggest that everybody finds a lunch place? You can find it, I think, on, on Church Centre app and go to a lunch, connect with people. Let's create the multiplication machine. The more connected we are, the more people in our community will be impacted by the connection, will produce multiplication and life. Second thing, we don't have much time, I might not get through all of this, says you have, the second thing was this, after connecting Abraham and I, uh, Sarah, the next thing you have to do is sow. No child is born just in a connection. Child only is born when something is sown. Do we all understand that? We all agree. Right? We're being very practical. You see, can I just say this? God's method of multiplication involves making a deposit into the connection. Speaking life into the connection. Not just sitting talking to Jane for an hour, but what life can I pour into her? What life can she pour into me? When I'm with my children, it's not about, did you get your pants on? Did you go to the toilet? Did you get your teeth scrubbed? It's what connection deposits life into them so that they grow and become powerful men or women of God, right? That's what we're trying to do. It's not about the connection. It is about the connection, but it's about what you deposit in the connection that matters, that produces life. It's what's deposited that produces life. There's a story in the Bible, uh, and we won't go into graphic details about it, but there's a story in the Bible where God curses a man because he's, been, he's supposed to produce an heir, but when he gets connected, he chooses not to leave anything behind. In fact, we won't go into the details. His name's Onan, and guess what? He's cursed by God because God said, when you're connected, you're meant to deposit something. You're meant to make something happen. I'm passionate about this, you can tell, because I just want to help practically. Now, a more palatable version of it is this, that when, you know, it's like having beautiful soil, but if seed is not put into the soil, nothing grows. Something's got to be deposited. 
seed. Jesus said, unless I fall into the ground and die alone, I cannot produce fruit. We've got to not only connect, we've got to sow. You can't multiply without sowing. Sowing means staying connected for long enough for the energy of connection to translate into a deposit which leaves something that's life-giving behind. Abraham had to sow life-giving seed to multiply. Let me give you an example. When I meet with someone and I have connection with them, I need to leave something behind. I need to deposit any word of encouragement. By the way, you're a man of great character. I watched you and you're just like this and I admire the way you go. What have I just done? I've sown seed. I've given something that's life-giving into the connection that'll produce something. When I'm with my children and I say to them, well done for doing that, well done, and I focus on what they've done well as opposed to what they haven't done at all, right? I focus what they've done well and I pour into that in that moment and I leave behind a compliment. Guess what happens? I produce strength inside of them. Now, if I just over compliment and don't bring correction, then I'm out of balance. But the point is that I've got to sow a seed to bring change. Does that make sense? So every conversation you have this week, I want you to think about, what am I saying that produces life in that person? What am I saying to her, him, them, mum, dad, whoever it is, what am I saying to them that produces life? Because most of the seed we're sending is not seed, it's poison sometimes. I've got to do a big smile after that. (laughs) Because our words are either seed or they're poison. When you walk past someone, smile at them. Of course, it's got to be the appropriate person. But you know what I'm saying? When I walk as a pastor, I, I intentionally look to smile at people, touch people. What am I trying to do? I'm trying to deposit something of love into people. And you can do that every day, a hundred times more than you're doing today. Then you'll get a hundred more times the harvest that you're looking for. We need to sow prayer if we want results. Good prayer. It's got to be good quality prayer. So I encourage you to come to the prayer meetings on Wednesdays. I'm not running the prayer meetings for myself because I'm going to pray anyway. I'm running it so that we can sow seed to God, pray together, learn how to pray. This Wednesday, 7 a.m., come along. Lord, this is going to be practical now. Share your faith. Sow your time. Sow your finance. Why tithing so important? Why? Because when I tithe to God the first and the best, I'm saying to God, I'm connecting with you on your mission. I promise you, he will reward your investment in ways you could never dream of. And I said last week around the offering, I'll give you a 12-month test. Test God. Church will be the backer for God. And if you haven't been blessed, and if you haven't seen God do something in your life and seen the pests of your life kind of put down, if you don't see a trail record of that, we'll give you your tithe back. That's that important for you. It's going to help you so much. Number three, you have to get your multiplier fixed. Sarah's multiplier was broken. They had to get connected. They had to sow seed, but they had to get the multiplier fixed. Some of us have a broken multiplier. You know how I know? It's when God's Word goes in like seed, it doesn't produce anything. God sows seed, people sow seed, but I still stay broken. There's no multiplication of life. 
What does that tell us? That tells us that our multiplier is broken. Because if the law of the universe is multiplication, God says every time the wind blows, there's multiplication across the earth. If that's the result of life, while the earth remains, Genesis 8 says, there'll be seed time and harvest. If that's how it's been wired, guess what? When it doesn't happen, it means something's broken. When my marriage isn't getting better, something's broken. When I'm depositing and something's not happening, it's broken. And so the third part of the, the how-to that I want us to really go, and again, I'd encourage you, if you've not signed up for, and if we have the QR code, right, for the, for the uh, actually it's on Church Centre app, for the multiplication mini teaching that I'm going to do midweek in June, sign up because we'll go into far more detail about, oh, there it is, you can register there, how do we multiply and be fruitful. So I want to teach you, go deeper than we can today. Sarah wanted to multiply, but her multiplier was broken. Can I say to you, God's healed me in so many areas of my life where my multiplier was broken. I couldn't take compliments. I wouldn't receive compliments as seed. I would find it hard to respond. Well, when you find it hard to respond to a compliment, your multiplier might be broken. When someone does something nice for you and all you can see is the bad intent, oh, you really meant that for that, maybe your multiplier is broken. Someone's connected, someone's sowing seed, but you're not producing life and growth, then just truthfully, honestly, before God, together today, authentically, maybe our multiplier is broken. And we have to get that healed. Because if we want 100x, 60x, 30x, that's what the good seed produces, and we're not getting that, then our multiplier. And you know what? My multiplier might be great at business, but it might be bad at home. It might be great at home, but bad at business. God wants to fix your multiplier in every area. And I have the faith to believe that God's going to do that today. Now, can I just shift gears for a minute? Because I'm looking at the time. We may be three or four minutes over time today. We try not to be, because I respect your time. Can I ask us, can I, you heard that, three points. Connect, we spend a lot of time on that. Sow seed, you must sow seed. And your multiplier must get fixed. I've identified in my own life areas of my life that needed to get fixed. I was abused as a kid sexually, so guess what? I had to fix some things in me. I was sensitive to rejection, I had a lot of rejection. I had to fix the rejection in me. I was shy and painfully shy, and I had to get that multiplier fixed in me. I'm rehabilitated. I'm better. I'm able to respond now. I couldn't make phone calls to people that were important phone calls that would result in great things happening. I remember having the Prime Minister of Australia's phone number on my seat for a week. I'd been given it. I was running a political, I wasn't running it, but I'd started a political party, and I had this thing, and I wanted him to come and speak at the church. I had his private cell number, right, on my, then I couldn't make the phone call because my multiplier is broken. Took me 10 days until finally I thought, you're an idiot, just make the phone call. And I picked up the phone and guess what? He answered the phone. We had this incredible conversation. And after it, I was like, "Woo!" I could feel myself getting healed. How do I get healed? Do the opposite to what I feel like doing when you have those feelings. Do the opposite. 
pull back. No, I'm not going to pull back. I'm going to lean in. Stop. No, I'm going to move forward. No, I can't. Yes, I will. Doing the opposite is how you start the process of healing. Let me give you a summary. This is all about action, right? This is, this is a message about action. Maybe you're ready to take your next step. That's the group activity. Now it's a personal activity. Up on the screen, again, I'm going to ask you to scan another QR code, right? Could you all scan that QR code? Because what I want to show you on this is what's your next step to multiply? What's your next step? Because I don't believe in just teaching theology that's theoretical. I believe in practical Christianity that works because the Bible works and Jesus is working in me through His Word. So on there, maybe the next step you have to do is to get baptized in water. Maybe you got baptized as an infant. That's great. That's really dedication. As an adult, by your own choice, to get baptized in water. There's an opportunity coming up two weeks' time. If you've not done growth track, connect. If you've not been baptized in the Holy Spirit, we're going to do a baptism in the Holy Spirit class in a couple of months' time. Say, yeah, I'm interested. So we'll send it to you, not just everybody. So I'm interested in taking that next step. You might tick all of them. Sign up for Rise. Sign up for the Baptism in the Holy Spirit class. Sign up for Leadership School, Module 1, if you haven't done it, or Module 2, that's coming in the fall. Sign up for Rise Advance, that's coming in the fall. Invite someone to church. Maybe you have never done that. Maybe it's time to do it again. Because we prayed on the first week, we held hands, said, God, help us multiply your kingdom. People coming to a life-giving church, you and I do that. I do my best. You do your best. Together, every connection, every conversation is an opportunity to bring someone to God's house. Maybe it's to become a tither. Maybe that's your next step. But if you'll take this seriously, I can tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to watch in the next, six, in the next 12 months and the people that, where it's gone into your heart and the multiplier's been fixed. We're going to pray for that in a second you're going to see this, 30x, maybe it's 60x, maybe it's 100x. Everybody wants it, and all you need to do is three things, and it will start to happen for you, because God ordained it as part of His theological universe. The world is sustained by multiplication. The world grows by multiplication. Our ability to feed people grows by multiplication. Everything is the result of God's math. That's why division, which is the opposite to multiplication, destroys everything. Multiplication builds everything. So rather than talking about division, we talk about this some other time because we don't have any. We talk about multiplication. That's where we're going. 